was saying how I was feeling that, you know, everything from the outside looked like it was going really well. And everyone was telling me, oh, you know, you're very successful. How do you do it? And I was thinking, is this success? Like, is this how it's supposed to feel? Because this doesn't feel good to me. Like, I don't feel calm. I don't feel relaxed. I feel uh, like I'm always having to be switched on. You are listening to the Rebel Careers podcast with me, Sarah Huntley. I'm the founder of Rebel Careers and I'm living my own Rebel career as an entrepreneur, adventurer and traveller. In this podcast, I will be talking with you about how you can tear up the traditional career rulebook, redefine success on your own terms, inspire you to think outside the box and encourage you to take bold action. Each week, I'll be sharing insights, inspiration and mindset strategies so you can start living the life you've always wanted. Today, to kick off this very first series of the Rebel Careers podcast, I'm going to share my Rebel Career story. For many years, I struggled with feeling like I didn't fit into tradition, the traditional kind of nine to five career path. Um, and I really felt like there must be something out there that's a bit different um, that would really fit kind of how I felt. Mm. But I was really unsure of what that looked like um, or, or how to even achieve that. So this is the story of how I got off the beaten track and created my own rebel career as an entrepreneur, adventurer and traveller. Um, Rebel Careers is all about helping you to dare to dream, to think outside the box, to gain clarity around the career and life you want to create for yourself and to give you the confidence to pursue that vision. With Rebel Careers, I want to show you how earning money and creating a career doesn't have to be just a job. It can be your dream. I've been running my own businesses for about 10 years now. Um, it was back in 2012, um, just after the Olympics had finished uh, in London, that I had my idea for my first business. So that was about 10 years ago now. And what I'm gonna do in uh, this episode is to walk you back kind of 10 years and talk you through the process I've taken, the decisions I've made, and what's helped me create my own rebel career as well as share a little bit more about my background, kind of where I've come from, what businesses I've been running, um, and how I've ended up running a podcast called Rebel Careers. <laughs> so it all starts, yeah, I guess back at university, um, I was lucky enough to go to a university where um, you could do a third placement year, so like your third year was a placement year, so you could gain like that super valuable work experience um, in industry and I got a job for a, I was studying psychology, um, an occupational psychology consultancy, which I thought sounded very official, it was very corporate, um, but there were loads of opportunities within it. But being there made me realise I didn't want a nine to five job, I wanted to do something different. I remember sitting there during the year I worked there, um, looking out the window and wishing I was out there doing something more exciting. Um, the culture at the company I found quite hard to kind of cope with. Uh, it was very corporate, as I say, um, and people communicated by email almost exclusively. So even if you were sitting next to someone in the office, 
it was encouraged that you email each other. So in terms of being quite a um, chatty and social person, I found that really, really difficult to be sitting somewhere almost in complete silence for the whole day um, and working on things I wasn't really that passionate about. Yes, it was interesting, but I wasn't kind of super, super passionate about it. So, so yeah, I finished my placement year and I went back to university to finish my degree, which I did. But then I had this feeling of like, oh, I thought that would be something I would love to do and then I'd done it and I thought no that's not something I love to do um, I wanted to be outside I wanted to work with people and be able to talk to them and um, yeah I'd been really passionate about travel before university I um, had spent a year in Australia and I traveled over to the Pacific to New Zealand and travel was something I was really passionate about and I wanted to do more of and I knew that if I'd got a job um, in a kind of a corporate company doing a nine to five, you only get a certain amount of kind of holiday time a year. And I thought that's not enough for me. Um, I want to explore and I want to adventure a bit more. But I didn't really know there was another option. I thought maybe I'm just going to have to suck this up and this is what I have to do and this is what's expected of me. Um, a lot of my peers at university were doing very similar things. They were perhaps going to work in London once they graduated. So it it felt like something that didn't really fit with what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know if there was an alternative. Um, so the moment I realised that I had to kind of take control of my career was a couple of years later. Um, it was, uh, yes, yeah, summer of 2012. And I, I remember it precisely because I was talking, um, having a conversation with my dad on the way to Rye of all random places to pick up some furniture. I think I'd bought some furniture off Facebook or wherever it was in those days, Gumtree, I'm not sure. And um, we were on the way together um, to go and pick up, I think it was like a chest of drawers or something like super, super random. But I remember this conversation I had with my dad who is also an entrepreneur and has set up a few businesses in his time. And um, I'd left university. I'd done, also done a master's by this time. I'd also been away doing a ski season. I'd been, had a couple of months sailing in the Caribbean and I was like, I knew which world I much preferred. I wanted that world of freedom and adventure, but I hadn't quite worked out how I could earn money whilst doing the things I love to do, being outside, um, yeah, having all the freedom I wanted and having this adventure as well. It seemed like they were kind of quite polar opposites. If I wanted to earn good money, I had to do one thing, which meant sitting at desks, sitting at a computer and doing this nine to five. And if I want travel and adventure, I'd have to resign myself to not earning hardly any money and um, yeah, but enjoying myself. So I didn't really know there was something in the middle of that. And that's what this conversation with my dad on that day got me to. So at the time I was working with horses and I was so, so lucky that my parents um, kind of let me make my own decision. So I'd finished a four year degree. I'd also done a year long masters in sports psychology and I had absolutely zero pressure from my parents to go and get what they might refer to as a proper job. They really let me find my own path, which now I look back, I'm eternally grateful for, that they didn't expect me to do anything in particular, and they just let me go and do what I love to do. So I loved working with horses. I'd had horses since I was a kid, and I actually went to work on a professional event yard. Um, and this was back in 2008, so it was the year of the Beijing Olympics, the previous Beijing Olympics. Um, and I was lucky enough to get a job with William Fox Pitt, who was the number one um, event rider in the world that year. So it was absolutely amazing that I was immersed in this like super competitive, kind of high-end, elite sporting world. And I absolutely lapped it up. I loved being part of the, the team there. Um, 
I loved being with the horses. I loved kind of going to the competitions and helping out. Um, but again, I knew that doing something I loved didn't, didn't bring in the money that I wanted to bring in. I was kind of quite frustrated. I could earn, I would, you know, work really, really long hours, six days a week, working really hard physically in all weathers. Loved what I did, but I wasn't earning any money. And I knew I had ambitions to kind of buy a house and to, you know, be able to take time off and things like that. So I was really kind of struggling with how I could incorporate my passions into a career that actually paid money as well. So yeah, on the, in this conversation with my dad, about four years on from uh, starting to work with horses, um, I said, I'm really fed up. Like, I feel like I'm being challenged physically, but I'm not being challenged mentally. Um, it's really hard work and we have to obviously go out all, in all weathers. And I just felt like maybe there was more out there for me um, that I wanted to maybe put some of my training and my degree, uh, my degree to good use. Um, and my dad said to me, you know, you love the equestrian industry, you love working with horses, but what's the problem in the industry? What's the problem in the industry? And I thought on this for a couple of minutes and I realized staffing and careers was the problem in that industry. So, so back in 2012, and it, it still is to a degree now, um, there was loads of problems with kind of poor employment practices, poor kind of quality of um, employees. So people coming to work, work in the equine industry, poor treatment of staff, um, and kind of it was a vicious cycle that, that no one seemed to know how to solve. And I'd been running a yard at that point and I was trying to recruit staff for the yard. And I was thinking, this is so difficult. Where are all these good people? I know they're out there. Um, so I thought, I think I could do a better job than the agencies we were using to recruit staff. So having this conversation with my dad, I said, I think I know, I think I know what the problem is or a problem is I could help with it. I could put my expertise to use. Don't get me wrong, I've done zero recruitment <laughs> at this stage. I've never worked for a recruitment company. The only recruitment I've done from a job seeker's perspective was applying for jobs myself. And the only recruitment I've done from kind of the other side was recruiting staff for a yard I was working on. Um, so I thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> I will set up a recruitment agency. So that's where I got the idea from that one conversation um, and that one question, what's the problem in the industry and how can you solve that? And I think that's such a good way to start a business, to solve a problem that perhaps you're struggling with, something that irritates you or something you feel is missing in your area of expertise. What is it? What could you do better than what's currently out there? So that's what I decided to do. I was 27 um, and I had yeah, zero recruitment experience, zero experience of running a business before, but I thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> so what I did, um, I gave myself a deadline and um, kind of, I have that, that phrase kind of, um, you don't know what you don't know, really came into play now I look back because um, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I needed to set up a business, but I thought I probably need a website. So I look like I know what I'm talking about. And I thought I would been kind of using social media and stuff. And I thought this is a really great way to connect to people. I'm going to set up some social media accounts. So that's what I did. I gave myself four weeks um, because I thought if I'm not ready in four weeks, I, I'm just going to start. And then once I've started, I can improve things from there because I was sure there was going to be loads of things I wanted to change. So yeah, I decided to solve this problem in the industry or try to solve this problem in the industry of um, kind of poor employment practices, uh, poor quality of staff, uh, unreliable employees uh, and all this type of thing. So it was kind of a, a big, um, 
yeah, a big cauldron of problems, I guess, in terms of staffing and recruitment. So I thought there must be a better way to do this. So yeah, I gave myself four weeks. I gave myself a £400 budget because I thought if this doesn't work, I don't want to lose out completely. I don't want to invest thousands and thousands in something I think is a good idea in case other people don't think it's a good idea too. So I um, bought a really basic website. Um, I couldn't even list jobs on it to begin with, which now I think is absolutely hilarious for a recruitment agency, can't even list jobs on it. So I had a really basic website just with a bit about what I did and, and pricing and things like that. I started a Facebook account um, and I created a list of contacts. So this was in the days before GDPR. So you could essentially trawl the internet and find people uh, who you would like to work with and get in touch with them. And that's what I did. That, that's what actually took the most amount of time. I put together a list of 600 contacts. So yards, uh, employers, uh, you know, top riders, all this type of thing, um, and put together basically a special offer for them. So a launch offer. So I put all their emails into something like MailChimp, I think at the time, and um, I sent them an email on my launch date, which was the 1st of October, 2012. And I sent this special offer out. I think it was 50% off your first kind of, um, kind of recruitment package. And two days later, my phone rang. <laughs> and again, I remember the phone call. I pulled over to a lay-by and it was this like really prestigious yard that I, I knew quite well. Um, all I knew of, I didn't know the people there. And they said to me, yeah, we've got a vacancy for a dressage rider. Uh, can you help us with it? And uh, I said, yeah, of course, that's absolutely what I can do. And then they asked me what my previous experience was or who I'd recruited for before. So I don't think they really twigged that I'd only been doing it two days. So I, I remember that feeling, my heart like thumping in my chest, thinking they're gonna know, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I managed to blag it and I kind of, I, I kind of, didn't lie, but I probably um, yeah overemphasized the actual truth, I think. But obviously I, I must have said the right thing because they said, yep, yeah, okay, we'll give you a try. And I managed to find them uh, a rider to fit their job and I got my first placement fee in. So the first bit of money into my business was in and I was so excited. So that really got the ball rolling for me in that business. So it took a couple of days um, just before I got my first client and then it really started from there. So at this time, I was also working full time. So what I would do, I would work all day and then I would come home in the evening and spend a couple of hours on my business contacting um, potential staff members as well and asking them to sign up with me and contacting um, employers and sharing kind of the, the tiny bit of success I'd had, making out it was something a lot bigger to uh, see if I could grow my audience. And, and bit by bit, it came through. Um, yeah, so that was a business called Equine Elite, which I'm so excited is actually still running today. So I sold the business after, after uh, four and a half years running it, um, and I sold it back in 2017. Um, and yeah, it's still running today. So hopefully we're improving uh, employment practices in the equestrian industry. I think they have come along a lot since I started. Um, and yeah, it's amazing actually to see something that, you know, I came up with the idea for, um, and is still out there and it's still running and still helping people find cool jobs and still helping employers find good um, employees as well. So that was my first business, Equine Elite. So it was a recruitment agency in the equine sector. I want to jump forward now to 2019. So I'd sold my recruitment business a couple of years before and before I'd sold the business, I'd actually trained as a sports massage therapist. 
And I was lucky enough to be um, running a, or co-running a sports psychology consultancy. Um, and I was also working as a performance coach for athletes and um, coaches in my local area in Sussex. So essentially I was running three different businesses and this has kind of, kind of gradually crept up on me over the year, uh, over the couple of years since I sold my previous business. And um, I was actually very near the point of burnout. I was kind of like the epitome of a busy fool. I was trying to give 100% to all these three, you know, similar but very different entities, these three different businesses. And I was like massively overworked. I felt pretty overwhelmed and I felt really stressed out. But on the outside, people saw it as success. I was always busy. Um, I rarely took a day off. I remember actually, I didn't, I didn't go. I did go um, away on holiday and I did, did go traveling, but I always took my laptop with me because I'd created something that needed my input all the time. So in terms of kind of take being able to switch off, I found that really difficult. And actually, I didn't take a proper break from my business for seven years, <laughs> which now I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I even do that? But yeah, I took my laptop everywhere with me um, and I was always switched on. So I was always checking things. I had all the social media apps on my phone, which I no longer have. And um, yeah, I found it really hard to kind of concentrate because I was just constantly flitting between these different businesses, trying to do my best and everything, but always feeling like I was spinning too many plates and they were all on the verge of kind of falling over. And I, yeah, I felt like I was always switched on. And I actually went um, and met a friend on Hove Beach back in September, must've been September, 2019. And we got a, I remember we got an Asian takeaway just from a little, little place down the lane. And we sat on the beach watching the sunset, just catching up in general. And I was saying how I was feeling that, you know, everything from the outside looked like it was going really well. And everyone was telling me, oh, you know, you're very successful. How do you do it? And I was thinking, is this success? Like, is this how it's supposed to feel? Because this doesn't feel good to me. Like, I don't feel calm. I don't feel relaxed. I feel uh, like I'm always having to be switched on. So, yeah, she said to me, actually, I've got a friend who uh, coaches people like you. And I'd never really thought about having a coach because... Being a psychologist and doing performance coaching myself, I, I don't know why, but I didn't really see the value in it. I thought, what can they teach me? I know all the theory, but in knowing all the theory, I kind of missed out the application <laughs> application phase. So um, yeah, Leanne, my friend, she recommended I speak to Mel, and I made it had a call with Mel the next week, and she just got me like she understood how I felt. I felt instantly like I wasn't the only one um, going through this that, that felt like their perception of success wasn't the like the internal feeling of success. And um, yeah, working with her over the next kind of six months or so really helped me focus in on what I love to do. So rather than running three different things, I decided just to run one. Um, and it gave me direction as well. I started work through our conversation, started to work out actually what what is it about you know this business that I love? What is it about this business that I love? What does that look like in an ideal world? How does it fit in with my lifestyle and what I wanted to do? And she also helped me gain the confidence to be brave enough to kind of commit to doing one thing. I think in the past I've always been quite a multitasker because I think my sensible head says, it's probably a good thing if you do a few if you've got your finger in a few different pies because if one goes wrong you've got kind of backup and when you're self-employed or you're running your own business 
that is obviously hugely important but I think the downside of that is kind of being able to focus and choose kind of one thing that you want to pour all your energy and effort into otherwise it's just going to be diluted but it took a lot of confidence to commit and say this is what I want to do I don't know if it's going to work but I'm going to give it my all and what I decided to do then was to really focus on my own coaching my own performance coaching so by this time I'd actually um I've been watching kind of some videos on YouTube and um, I'd been getting the idea about van life and I thought, oh, this looks really fun. You can travel in a van. I can be a digital nomad, but I'm currently doing sports massage out of a clinic. Like, oh, this isn't going to work because my clients needed to see me every couple of weeks or every, every month. So I thought long term travel wasn't something I could do with that type of business. So, but with the performance coaching stuff, um, I was like, ah, I can work online. I could, I have clients all over Europe and I could actually coach them via Zoom. And people seemed happy with that because it really was convenient for them as well. So it was January, 2020 when I decided, yeah, I'm gonna focus completely on performance coaching. So performance psychology and kind of coaching people to set up a business or to grow their current business. And I decided to shut down my sports massage clinic because that wasn't then aligned with what I wanted to do and what I wanted to do was travel. So in the meantime, I'm having this van converted into a camper van, but March 2020, guess what hits? Yes, COVID. <laughs> so actually my decision to kind of go all online and put my all into my coaching business turned out to be one of the best decisions I could have made. But obviously I did not know what was gonna happen in the world and how, if I'd still been working in sports massage, I would have had to stop working and, and have lost that income stream. So, so actually I just got really, really lucky with the timing um, and yeah, decided to throw my all into performance coaching. And that is what I've been doing for the past few years. So um, yeah, since January, 2020, so two, just over two years now, I've been working as a performance coach and I've been helping other people, um, you know, just like Mel did for me, work out what, what are the things that make them tick? What are the things you're really passionate about and how can you create a life that you love? You know, having a job or having a career doesn't have to be something that's completely separate to your life. And it can be something that you incorporate into and really works for you and something you would do because you're passionate about it. And I think that's really cool. Um, and now I'm so excited to release this podcast as well, because, um, yeah, careers has always been something I'm interested in. I remember actually reading uh, a newspaper when I was a kid, like even when I think was seven or eight years old, I'd always, we'd, we'd get like a weekly newspaper at home, just the local paper. And there was always a job section. And for some reason, like I was seven or eight years old, I have no idea why, but I would always flick straight to that section and look at all the jobs available. Um, yeah, as I say, I was like seven years old, so I wasn't gonna apply for any of them. So I've always had this like random fascination with careers and jobs. And I love um, finding out how people have done things and how, especially how people do things differently. And I think as well, post COVID, like there has never been a better time to think about creating a career or a job that really fits into your lifestyle because I've learned over the past few years that anything is possible. You can set, pretty much set up anything you want um, and then create the kind of the, the business or the job or the career to fit into that as well. So I just wanna finish this um, episode talking about how you can open yourself to new opportunities 
and make 2022 the year you turn your ideas into re into reality as well. So my three top tips uh, that I've learned over the past 10 years, I've tried to kind of really uh, drill down in what's really helped me do what I've done and get to where I want to go. And I completely appreciate like traveling and adventure. It's not for everyone. But what is your what is your definition of freedom? What would you love to do more of in your life? And how can you uh, kind of fit your career around that or work out a way to do that so you can do more of whatever that is? So my three top tips, I think, from things I've learned over the past 10 years is to, top tip number one, is to use your contacts. So my contacts and my network have helped me out unbelievably over the past 10 years. Um, I've learned it's all about the people. It's literally all about the people. So really think about who's in your network and who is in their network as well. Who could you get introduced to? Who could you touch base with and go take for a coffee and pick their brains about something? If there's someone doing what you want to be doing, uh, who you know or you might know through someone else, um, you know, ask them. Most people are really willing to be helpful. So I found I've actually gained loads of opportunities in my career by actually just asking people for what I need, um, whether it's um, feedback or a connection to something or an idea on something else. I've actually started a whole business based around one email um, that I sent to a um, sports psychologist I'd done half a day's work experience with eight years before so <laughs> let me just unpick unpack that one for you so eight years ago was when I was doing my um my master's uh in in performance psychology and I heard of this guy Charlie who was at the top of his game in sports psychology and I thought what have I got to lose so I sent him an email saying if you've got any workshops coming up or you need a hand you know delivering any seminars or whatever please let me know I'd love to come along and watch and you know lend a hand if I could I was a student at this stage and he got back to me and he said, yeah, absolutely. I've got this workshop, could, could definitely do with an extra pair of hands, you know, come along at this time um, and do a half day workshop. So I went along and helped out and it was really, really good fun. And I thought this is really interesting stuff. Um, Charlie was amazing. And then, um, yeah, we kind of went our separate ways. I said, thanks very much. That's really helpful. And I'd had an insight into um, how you might kind of work as a sports psychologist, the things you might be covering. And then, yeah, we did kind of, I think we'd um, linked up on social media or something like that, but I didn't really think too much more of it. And then when I was wanting to get back into sports psychology, um, I was, I'd sold my business, my first business at Quen Elite, and I thought, actually, I want to use this degree and I want to see if I could um, do some work with athletes and things like that. So I thought, Charlie's a good person to ask, how do I get into this industry? It seems quite closed off. There's not really jobs advertised. Again, it's all about who you know. So I ended up dropping him an email and just said, you know, if you've got any advice, because this is what I'm looking to do. Um, and yeah, I'd appreciate any insight or contacts or I don't know, whatever you can, you can help me with. And he came back to me via email and he said, uh, yeah, why don't you come for lunch? And I was like, lunch? Like, oh, seriously, you live a million miles away. Can't you just give me a bit of advice over email? And that's that. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, lunch sounds good. Not really knowing why he thought lunch would be a good idea. <laughs> and um, yeah, I went for lunch. And Charlie said, um, you know, we both worked in the equestrian industry since I'd last seen him eight years previously. I'd been running a recruitment business. And he said, I've got this idea for a new business and I'm looking for a business partner. Would you want to partner with me? And I was like, whoa, 
where did that come from? Um, and we both had quite a different skill set. Yes, we were both performance psychologists, um, but I'd been working a lot in business and Charlie had been doing kind of the, the sports psychology kind of side of things. So based on that half a day work experience I did with him eight years previously, we then ended up setting up a really successful business called Centre 10 together, which again is still running to this day, which is really, really exciting. So back to my original point, use your contacts, ask people for their help. Like people are always really willing to help. When people now contact me and ask for my help, I am more than willing to help people out, point them in the right direction or make suggestions. So definitely use your network and think about who's in it and who could be in that, who could be in like your friend's network as well. So like the network of your network, if that makes sense. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is look at how other people who have the career or life that you want or uh, yeah, the lifestyle you're craving, how do they do it? look at how they do it so if you see someone who is traveling for three months a year and you're like oh my gosh that would be my dream to escape the winter and spend three months in the sun whatever it is how do they do it or is there someone out there who's got kids and only works three days a week um, but they're still running a very successful business how do they do it so definitely look at how other people are already doing things because we don't always need to reinvent the wheel and sometimes just a, a brief conversation with someone or a few tips can just give you a bit of an idea of how you could make perhaps what you're doing already or just tweak it a little bit to really make it work for you. So definitely gain inspiration on social media or on YouTube, on the TV, whatever it is, or even through, you know, friends of friends. If you see people doing some really interesting things, ask them how they're doing it. Uh, take them for coffee, take them for lunch and pick their brains. Um, so again, it kind of comes down to the people, but ask people who are doing what you want to do, how do you do it? So if there is someone running a business in the field you want to run a business in, ask them about it. How did you start? You know, what, were the, what, what things do you wish you'd known at the beginning? I don't know, all those, type, all those type of things. So don't be shy to ask, don't be shy to approach people like, what is the worst that can happen? And my third tip is to break it down. Um, starting a business or changing career or even just changing your job can seem really overwhelming and sometimes it's tempting just to not do it because it feels kind of too big. But if there's something that you've been thinking about for a while, a few months or even a year, whether it's a yeah, change of career or you've got this idea for a little business that you're thinking, oh, that would be good to try. And it keeps coming back. So that idea keeps coming back and you keep shelving it. And then it keeps coming back. Listen to that. Those are the ideas you need to pursue. But keep it really simple. Just like I did when I was starting my first business, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I saw it as very straightforward to set up a business. I gave myself four weeks. I thought I just need a website and a list of contacts. Off I go. And it worked. But now I feel like now I know a bit more, I feel like I could actually kind of have that paralysis by analysis. I could overthink things. And before I know it, I'm not actually doing anything. So keep it really simple. Break it down into small manageable steps. And just remember, you don't need to see the end at the beginning. You don't need to see the end at the beginning. You don't need to see chapter 12 when you're writing chapter one. Just remember that. And also don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 12, because you might look at them and think, oh, they've got it all together. They know exactly what they're doing. But that, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, they might have been in your, in your shoes. So let it evolve almost naturally and organically and just go along for the ride, go along for the journey um, and just get your idea out there because ideas are kind of worthless. It's actually putting them into action that really helps.
So that's it for today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode about how I've created my rebel career. I hope it's given you maybe a bit of inspiration or a few ideas about how you could do the same or start your own business, create, change career, change your job, whatever it is towards something that you're really passionate about and creating that life that you would love. I will see you next week for another episode of Rebel Careers. I hope you've loved this week's episode of the Rebel Careers podcast. If you want more help and support to create your Rebel career and take the steps you know you need to in order to get to where you want to go, then head over to my website, sarahhuntley.com forward slash podcast, where you can download your free 12 page PDF Rebel Careers Action Plan Workbook. The workbook will walk you through the Rebel Careers four-step process to finding a fulfilling career in a creative and interactive way. So if you know there's more out there for you in your career and you'd like to explore what that could look like, then grab your free copy of the workbook now, sarahhuntley.com forward slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at Rebel Careers. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and if you can, leave me a review. It really helps other people find the podcast and I would be eternally grateful. I will see you next week for another episode of the Rebel Careers podcast. Mm-hmm.